0: Hey, this is Mutzi. Thanks for tuning in today. Um, I don't want you to take offense to anything that I say during this podcast, because even though I'm speaking to you, I'm speaking to me too. I'm just telling the truth. As Christians, I think we need to do better. As a church, I think we need to do better. We do a lot of great things. We go to church, we worship, we tithe, we help the needy. We love each other. We do a lot of things that God commands of us, but we could do so much more, including myself. You know, we go to church as long as it's not too hot, as long as it's not too cold, as long as it's not too foggy, as as long as the kids don't have games, as long as there's not a good football game on television that day, we'll come to church. But that's not what God's looking for from us. He wants us 24-7, 365 days a year. His word, his message, scripture is supposed to be on our mind 24-7. I'm going to tell you a couple scriptures that's in the Bible. And I'm just going to tell you what Jesus says. And then we'll take it from there. And at the end of this podcast, I'm just going to tell you a quick story. And if you'll stay to the end and if you'll listen to this story... I promise it will give you a whole different perspective of Jesus and it may change your life forever it may change the way that you look at Jesus forever so here are a couple things that I wanted you to know that straight from the Bible Matthew 4 17 Jesus says repent Jesus says from that time Jesus began to preach and say repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's what's at stake. It's not life and death. It's worse than that. It's bigger than that. It's heaven and it's hell. We have to repent. We have to turn from our sins. He orders us to repent. That was his main message. Jesus told everyone to repent. And then he wants us to follow him. Matthew 4, 19 said, And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. He was talking to the people that were fishing in the boat. Peter, I believe it was Peter that was in the boat, and he told them, listen, follow me. And you know, when he told people to follow him, when he told his disciples to follow them, they just jumped out the boat and started following him. They didn't ask when, why, where we're going, what we're going to do, how long we're going to be gone. Can I go tell my wife? Can I kiss my kids goodbye? No. They followed him. Another thing that Jesus commands of us, it is not a suggestion. In fact, he said it three times in the same book of John. He said, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. And he's not just saying, be nice to each other. He's saying, love one another. That's John 13, 34. John 15, 12, almost the same thing. He says, this is my commandment, that you love one another just as I have loved you. That's how important it is. Twice in the same chapter. But here it comes again. John 15, 17, this I command you, that you love one another. So I think we can all do a better job of loving one another. Sure, it's easy to love the people that we already know and that we already love. What about the people that are, that don't have the same sexual orientation as you? Do you love the gay people? Do you love the people of the opposite race? Do you love the Muslims? God tells us to love everyone. He commands it. And this is something that's dear to my heart. And I'm going to share it to you exactly like he said it in Luke 14, 12 through 14. It's about serving the poor. And here's what he says. And he also went on to say to the one who had invited him, when you give a luncheon or a dinner, don't invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or your rich neighbors. Otherwise, they may also invite you in return. And that will be your repayment. But when you give a reception, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind. And you will be blessed since they don't have the means to repay you. For you're going to be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. That's so important, y'all. The other thing is in Mark 16, 15, God commands us to preach the gospel. There's a reason why Christians consistently post Facebook, Twitter, Instagram quotes about Christ, about grace, about the cross, about God. Because he commands us. Mark sixteen fifteen said, and he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. He didn't say do it on Mondays. He surely didn't say, do it on Sundays only. We're supposed to do this full time, all the time. And, and the other one that's really close to it is Matthew twenty eight nineteen to 20. We're supposed to make disciples. It says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always even to the end of the age. We're supposed to teach others and make them disciples as people poured into our lives and made us disciples. We're supposed to continue that. We're supposed to pass that on. And then in Matthew 26, 41, this is very important. We're to keep guard against sin. He says, keep watching and praying that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is willing but the flesh is weak. Our flesh is weak. The way that we can uh, help ourselves avoid sin is to don't go near it. If you have a drinking problem, don't go to a bar. If you have a drinking problem, don't go out with your friends when you know they're going to be drinking. Stay away from it. And in Matthew 8, Jesus says something that, that, that some people don't grasp right away. But I feel like I grasped this as soon as I heard it. Jesus said, follow me and allow the dead to bury their own dead. You know, when Jesus sent his disciples out two by two, he told them, look, you go into those towns and you preach the gospel. You tell them about me. And if they reject you, you get the sand off your sandals and you keep walking. And if they accept you, you stay for two days. And I'm not positive why he said to stay for two days. But if I had to guess, I would say that he's saying, look, you stay two days and teach them everything you know about me. You teach them everything that you saw me do. Tell them about the miracles because you will make them disciples and then they'll go off and tell. And here's something that's really hard. This is really hard for all of us. It's Matthew 5, and 46. And we're supposed to love And we're supposed to pray for our enemies. Jesus said, But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good, he sends rain to the righteous and to the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Just like I just said, that's easy. It's easy to love somebody who loves you. It says, "Do not even the tax collectors do the same." Even tax collectors, who were like the bad guys back then, they love people. I mean, we're we, we're to love everyone, and and we're, we're, we're to pray for our enemies. I mean, that's hard. I know there's people out there that, especially politically in the United States of America, if you just watch it on Facebook, <clears throat> we hate this. If, if we're conservative, we hate the Democrats. I don't know how it got to be like this. If you're a Democrat, you hate the Republicans. We're supposed to love everyone, and we're also supposed to pray for them. The other thing I want you to know is Matthew five sixteen: We are to let our light shine. It says, let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your father who is in heaven. You see, there are certain religions out there that have a belief that you get to heaven by by doing more good deeds than bad. Like they make it seem like God's up there with a scorecard and he puts a check every time you do something good and he puts an X every time you do something bad. And if you got more checks than X's, you get to come in. That's not how it goes. The Bible says we tell the fruit, uh, we tell the tree by the fruit that it bears. So we do see fruit being bared by trees. We do see people doing good deeds. You see, the good deeds is not what gets us to heaven. We don't do nice things so that we can go to heaven. We do nice things because we are going to heaven. That's almost like our repayment. That's what that is. And so be, before I tell you the, the, the demonstration that I want to share with you, I want to take a minute and I just want to pray. I want to thank you guys for listening to this. This is all new to me. You hear me clear my throat. You're going to hear me cough. You're going to hear me stutter, mispronounce words. A lot of this I'm reading and I'm not the best reader in the world, so I will mess up, but I'm doing it live and I'm not going to edit it. That's not how I do it. So I, I do appreciate you listening and I hope that my words are God's words and I hope that God's words touches somebody along the way and I hope that it makes a difference in their life because if just one of these podcasts can reach one person and it can make enough sense to them to where they surrender their life to Christ then it's all worth it. It's okay, you could laugh at me behind my back talking about who does Mutsi think he is doing a podcast, who does he think he is Well, I know who I am. I'm a nobody, but I belong to God. So I'm God's nobody. And God put this podcast on my heart and that's why I'm doing it. And that's why I'm going to continue to do it. Tease me, mock me, make fun of me. I don't care. I'm going to continue. Please say this prayer with me. Dear God, thank you for your amazing power and your work in our lives. Thank you for all your goodness and for all your blessings that you bestow on us. Thankful that you're able to bring hope even in the toughest of times when you strengthen us for your purpose. Thank you for your great love and care. Thank you for your mercy and grace because God, without your mercy and grace, we are nothing and we will never be able to spend eternity in heaven with you. Thank you for that. Thank you for always being with us and never leaving us. Thank you for your incredible sacrifice and then Jesus to die on the cross, pay for our sins, past, present, and future. He did that so that we might have freedom and life. Please forgive us when we don't thank you enough, Lord. Sometimes we get caught up in our day, we get caught up in our own self, and we don't thank you enough. So please forgive us when we don't thank you enough for who you are, for all that you do, and for all that you've given us. Lord, help us to set our eyes and our hearts on you and help us renew our spirits. Fill us with your peace and joy. Lord, we love you and we need you. We need you this day and we need you every day. We give you praise. And we give you thanks because Jesus Christ, for you alone, you are worthy. In Jesus' name, amen. Now I want to give you my demonstration. I want you to walk with me through this story that I'm going to tell you. I want you to put yourself in this story as best you can. I want you to be a mom. For the ladies that are listening out there, you're the mom. You've got a six-year-old daughter. Her name is Susie. We'll call her Susie. Susie's six years old, and it's summertime. And you promised her all school year that if she made good grades, come summertime, you'll go buy her one of those plastic little blue pools that are only one foot deep with water that you could just turn upside down to empty. You promised that she was a good little girl, you would get her that pool. And sure enough, she was. And now it's summertime. And she keeps reminding you, Mom, I want to go swimming in my pool. I want to go swimming in my pool. You take her to Walmart. You let her pick out her own swimsuit. The swimsuit she picks out is the light blue swimsuit with the yellow duckies. She's six. She wants the blue suit with the yellow duckies. So you get it for her. But little Susie knows she has to be good before she can put that swimsuit on and go swimming. So you know the weather reports that it's going to be hot tomorrow. Tomorrow's the day. So you tell little Susie, Susie, you've been good all year. You've been listening to mom. You've been praying with mom every night. And you telling Jesus that you love him and he's telling you that he loves you. Tomorrow we're going to go swimming for the first time. So she sleeps in her little swimsuit, the little blue swimsuit with the yellow duckies. She's sleeping in that swimsuit. She can't wait to get up. So she wakes up like it's Christmas morning. It's not even daylight yet. She's waking you up. Mama, mama, I want to go swimming. I want to go swimming. So you got to explain to her. It's not even daylight yet. So she climbs into bed with you. And then when you wake up, we eat breakfast. She eats breakfast with you. And you go outside and you fill up the pool. You fill it up with the hose. You even have like a little water pistol. You each have a water pistol. You pick yours and you let her pick hers. You fill up the water pistols and you start having a little water fight and then you accidentally get the water in her eyes but then you realize let me get the towel so I could dry her eyes out because it went directly in her eyes. And now her hair is in her eyes and she's trying to rub it. She's not crying, but she's having a good time. But it's all the water's all in her face. And so you run inside to go get the towel. They were right on the dryer. You left them on the dryer. They were folded. You tell it away right there. You run in, you go get the towels. You were going 15, 20 seconds. You come back outside. Susie's not there. Susie's not in that pool and there's not a whole lot of places where Susie can be hiding she's played hide and seek before but you've explained to her that that's not a good thing to do with mommy because it scares her and so you start calling her name for her to come out Susie come out stop playing come on we're gonna have fun let me dry your eyes come on Susie and there's only a couple places where she could be hiding she's not there So now panic sets in. So you start screaming her name louder than you've ever called her name before. You're freaking out now. Susie's not answering. You're screaming for her. Your baby is gone. At this point, you've been screaming for at least two minutes, threatening her, When she comes out, she's punished and she's never gonna swim again in that pool if she don't come out right now. And she doesn't come out. So now you're really panicked. You're screaming to the top of your lungs as if your hair is on fire. Your neighbors come running out. What's wrong? What's wrong? Oh my goodness, what's wrong? I can't find Susie. I can't find Susie. She was here. I went to go get the towels. I was gone 15 seconds and Susie's gone. I can't find Susie. So the neighbors say, oh my goodness, let's start looking spread out. Susie, Susie, they're all calling Susie. She's gone. You run inside, you call your husband at work, you're screaming, crying. He can't even understand what you're telling him. You're trying to tell him that you went in to get the towel. You came back out and Susie's gone. He had no idea you were going swimming that day. He don't know anything about a towel. All he heard is Susie's gone. So he says, calm down, calm down. Are you telling me Susie's gone? Yes, Susie's gone. So he hangs up the phone. He's on the way. He says, listen, when you find her, you call me immediately to let me know everything's okay. But I'm coming now. So he's rushing home from work. He worked exactly 25 minutes from work. 10 minutes have gone by. There's no Susie. Now you're in panic mode like you've never been in, and so are your neighbors. You're looking everywhere. Your husband gets there. He could see that you're as white as a ghost. He's never seen you look like that. And quite honestly, you've never seen him look like that. You could tell that he was crying on the way home from work. Because he was begging God for Susie to be hiding and for her to come out before he gets home. Susie doesn't come out. So now they call the police police show up they ask all the questions that they ask could she have gone with a friend could the friend's mom have passed by and saw her and picked her up and taken her somewhere and they forgot to let you know could she could where could she have walked to and they could see that there's not a whole lot of places to walk to there's not many houses around there's not any businesses around susie is gone Now it's six o'clock at night. Susie's been gone for seven hours. Those parents have never felt that gut wrenching pain that they feel. They're screaming to the top of their lungs in their house. If they're not screaming, they're crying. They're begging God. God, I will do anything. Bring back my baby. I want my baby, bring back my baby. It's been seven hours, she's not hiding, she's gone. They call the police every 10 minutes. Are uh, y'all still looking for her? Where do we look, where can we go? They get in their car, they're driving around, all the neighbors are looking around. Everyone's got flashlights, they're all looking. She's gone. No way can that parent fall asleep that night. They don't fall asleep. They're crying. They just got back from searching. They hurry up and take a shower. They don't even think about eating. Their baby's gone. The next morning when the sun comes up, they're out walking again. They're walking, now the news media's in on it. They're doing interviews. They're asking every question they've ever asked. They're telling them the truth with every question that they ask them. They're telling them the honest to God truth. Susie's gone. And now a week goes by. Susie is still gone. The whole United States of America knows that Susie's gone. The mom, she's lost nine pounds because she hasn't eaten anything. She's got bags under her eyes that look like racetracks. She looks 15 years older. She hasn't slept in a week. The dad is the same total wreck as her. Fast forward three weeks. The mom has now lost 33 pounds. The doctor has given medicine to her to calm her down, to help her relax. It doesn't seem to be working. She's so mad at God. How can you let this happen to me? How can you let this happen to my daughter? She's six years old, God. All she was doing was trying to swim. Where's my baby? She's mad at God. And in the next breath, she's begging God, God, I'll do anything. Please bring back my Susie and everyone that they've talked to, including the police. At this point, they say, ma'am, we have hope, but we have to be honest. At this point, as as, as kindly as we can say it, we're looking to recover her body. We don't think that she is alive even though we're gonna keep searching as she is, but we're obligated to tell you that we think that we're in recovery mode now. That mom refuses, she refuses to hear that. She don't hear that. No mom wants to hear that. They keep looking. Two months goes by. The mom has lost so much weight, she looks 35 years older. She has accepted the fact that Susie's gone and Susie is not alive. She sleeps by the phone, praying that the phone rings, but then she hopes that the phone don't ring. Because when that phone rings and it's a strange number, it's probably gonna be bad news about how and where they found little Susie. It's the middle of the day. She finally falls asleep on the sofa. The phone rings. She don't recognize the number. Her heart is going 100 miles an hour. She has a feeling and she don't know if it's good or bad. She is so afraid to answer that phone because that's the call that's going to tell her They found Susie's body. She musters up the strength. She answers the phone. It's a man's voice. And he said, are you Susie's mom? The mom literally passes out. She falls to the floor. She fainted. She passed out. She heard no more from that. She doesn't know how long she was out. But she literally lost consciousness. When she woke up, the phone was dead, she hung it back up. She prayed to God, let him call back, let him call back. The phone rings, she snatches it on the first ring and the guy said, are you okay? She said, no. He said, are you Susie's mom? She says, yes. He says, I have Susie. Her heart almost jumps out of her chest. She doesn't even think where where do you have her um, how, how did you get her? He didn't she didn't think is she hurt? you got my Susie Are you sure this is my Susie? I got your Susie and she's not harmed ma'am. She's not harmed and is your address such and such? Yes it is. Oh my God yes it is. I'm bringing her to you. That wife calls her husband. Her husband, on that 25-minute drive home to work, gets there in 12 minutes. He pulls up. They're waiting outside. They, They think it's a hoax. They've had so many leads that have fell through. A car pulls up. Dark tinted windows. The back passenger door opens up. And it's little Susie It's Susie And she runs to her mom and dad Like she's never ran before in her life And she's wearing regular cute little girl shoes And cute little girl dress And she's even got the swimsuit in her hand She says mommy look I still got the blue swimsuit With the yellow duckies on it Oh mom I'm so happy to see you the mom can't say anything. She, she can't speak. She lost her breath. But she's hugging her baby. She's hugging her baby. She asked her, you okay? Yes, I'm fine, mommy. I'm fine. The mom didn't care where she was. She don't care how she got missing. But that man brought her back. Safe and sound. And all this time when the mom and dad were looking for little Susie... They couldn't go to work, and their bills didn't stop. And the man said, listen, I understand when this stuff happens, bills arise, and you can't keep up with them necessarily. I want you to take this envelope. Don't open it until you get inside, but it's my gift to you. The man walks away. They're still screaming, crying, hugging her knowing that they'll never let her out of their sight ever again. They don't even ask the man's name. He gets back in the car and he drives away. Now, here's my question. If you are the parent to little Susie, is there anything that you wouldn't give that man? Because the way that that man found that child, when the mom was screaming, that man was looking for little Susie. When the mom was cursing God, that man made it his mission to look for little Susie. When the mom took enough medicine to drop a horse and finally fell asleep, that man was looking for little Susie. He dedicated his life to find Susie and he found her. And he brought her back. And that man was never in any danger. He found Susie and returned her. You're the mom. Answer this question truthfully. Is there anything you wouldn't do for the rest of your life for that man? Is there any possession that you own that you wouldn't give to him if he asked for it? Because he found little Susie. We all know the answer. Mother and father, we would give him all the money that we ever earned for the rest of our life. You can have it all. Come take our house, live in our house, take our cars, take everything. All we wanted is our Susie. Now, of course, that's a made up story. But now I want to tell you a real story because there was a real man that we do know his name, and his name is Jesus. And Jesus was sent here by God as 100% man and 100% God. And Jesus was sent here to die on the cross for little Susie. You see, the man that found Susie He was never at risk of being hurt. But what he did was when he found Susie, Susie was six. Let's say Susie lives to be 86. He gave Susie 80 more years. The mom probably won't live another 80 years. She was probably in her 20s or 30s already. But he gave the mom all the rest of her life to have little Susie. Jesus Christ came to die for little Susie. So that she could live forever in eternity in heaven with her father. The man that found Susie was never in any home. Jesus Christ was beaten within inches of his life. Jesus Christ was tortured. He was spit on. He was humiliated. He was embarrassed. He was stripped naked in front of everyone. And they tortured him in the most brutal way that they knew how. And he hung on that cross for Susie. And for Susie's mom. And for Susie's dad. And for you. And for me. So you just admitted that for the man that returned, Susie, you would give everything to him. You would do anything for him. So I'll ask you the same question. What will you do for Jesus? Jesus did so much more for Susie and for you and for me. So what do you owe Jesus You owe Jesus everything, not 10% of your income, all of it. Not just when you pray on Sundays in your house. You owe him your house. You owe him everything. I owe him everything. If we would do that for a man that I made up and wasn't even in harm's way, but simply found the little girl, what more should we do for a human that literally died for us? And the answer is, we owe him everything. We should do everything. Rain shouldn't stop us from church. Missing a paycheck at work shouldn't stop us from giving every penny in our pocket to our church to continue his message of grace so that we can accept that and we can repent and turn from our sins and so we can believe that God sent him, Jesus, put him on the cross, died for our sins, stayed in the grave for three days and was resurrected and is sitting at the right hand of the Lord and he did all that for little Susie. And he did it for you. So I'll ask you one more time. Now what do you feel like you owe Jesus? Everything. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, we thank you.